We're just a couple of weeks out from 2023 early signing day. And we got John Garcia here to talk about Florida Gators recruitment only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. And before we get into it, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. And John, recruiting season is here. Um, Portal season is here. Flip season is here. Chaos season is here. You have the team chaos sign in the back. You know how, how we are here. Um, but with Florida, as they wrap up this massive recruiting class, or at least wrap it up before early signing day, and then there's, of course, that next little window where they'll hopefully pick up a couple other people. But one guy that I wanted to ask about is a very big position of need for Florida, at least in my opinion, Caden Jones, six foot eight, 305 pounds. But who is Caden Jones as a actual football player? You know, I, I think he's got a lot of a modern traits as a true pass protector. He is, like you said, every bit of six seven, six eight, over three hundred pounds. Carries it well. There's a lot of length on that frame. I've seen him in person a bunch of times over the last couple of years, and he moves really well for that size. So combined with that length. It just screams blindside protector, maybe even frontside protector, depending on how the rest of that uh, Florida or, or I guess Texas A&M offensive line looks in the coming years. Uh, but, but he's got uh, legitimate wingspan and movement skills, and he's getting stronger. I think that's really been, along with the, the technical stuff, that's really been where you've wanted to see a little bit more from Caden. Uh, and I think that's why, again, he's looking at SEC schools. He understands that he needs to develop now physically uh, as opposed to just, you know, relying on that frame and length. So I think once that part of his game comes into it, he can project with a bit more balance. But again, right now in a zone scheme or a pass heavy scheme, I think he can fit in pretty early at the collegiate level because of that length movement skills and just the experience he has as at one of the top uh, high schools there in New Orleans. And I mean, you know, it's Florida, Texas A&M and, just as as looking at this from a recruit perspective, not even just Caden Jones, just any recruit, when you're looking at Texas A&M at this point, what even is the appeal? That's, that's just a genuine question because they sucked this year. It seemed like Jimbo was like disinterested at certain points this year, and we saw how it was at the end of Florida State. So if you're a recruit for 2023, are you really like looking at this and going, uh, yeah, Jimbo will be the coach for – a year and half the recruiting class just hit the portal also. So, so what really is the appeal there? Well, for Caden, it's family. You know, I think that it's, it's unique from his perspective. You know, his mom's a grad, his uncle and football mentor is, is a Texas A&M grad and former player uh, on that Aggie roster. So for him, it's a little bit more personal than convention would suggest, uh, which makes sense, right? Obviously it's, it's a little bit different when the family is involved. Uh, but look, Caden's a smart kid. He understands the perception and how it's trending a bit down at, at AM. That's why 
he has has kind of been leaning a little bit more towards Florida. I, I think obviously opposite trajectories, new coaching staff, but the staff happens to have recruited him heavily at their previous stops coming from his native Louisiana. So I think all of that kind of aligned well for Florida in this race. I think without the Gators, he probably would have been off the board for AM maybe months ago, maybe before the season when um, perception was a bit different in College Station. But uh, he's taken his time. Other schools have come in and out, Texas, LSU, a couple others, Florida State. But really it's been a Florida and Texas A&M battle here for quite some time. So it's one of those – do I go kind of with the family decision and, and be the next Aggie or do I do my own thing and, and go uh, check out Gainesville and, and, and become a Gator? So that'll be a very close race, in my opinion, a classic. Do I go with my heart? Do I go with my head kind of, of deal internally for Caden? And he's going to visit each uh, one more time, it looks like, uh, with an official visit in early December. So it is crunch time, but there's still for him, there's still some time left because both schools are going to host him. So the slight advantage we feel right now Florida has that can be influenced over the next few weeks. So that'll be a, a photo finish coin flip, however you want to call it for Florida before all is said and done. Yeah. And I, I will just, I'll put you on the spot here. Sorry, John. I know I didn't tell you I'd do this, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Where do you think he winds up? Realize when, when, if he's a December signee or later on, where do you think Caden Jones winds up? Well, sooner the better for Florida. So I think if he does sign in December, which is probably what he's going to do, considering that he's been down to these two and he's going to take these two officials before the 21st, before the signing period opens up, I do think Florida's slight edge has weight to it. Uh, I do think it matters for Caden. I think the longstanding relationship with this staff versus the AM staff, where it's again, it's more personal, it's more family, it's more a legacy kind of deal. I do think that weighs in heavily in the end for uh Caden Jones. Again, I think he would have been on board with AM a little bit earlier in the cycle if, if all things were truly even. So to me, uh, it looks like Florida's got an opportunity to to lock him in. I think Florida's become the favorite in that race, and I don't know how much that can change during back-to-back official visits um you know he's going to get the full court press and presentation from both schools he's already very familiar with both so i'm just not sure how much that will change kind of the perception of this recruitment that that, than it is right now Uh, so i do think right now florida is in the best shape to land him and we know they need offensive tackles him samson oakland lola those guys are going to be big priorities down the stretch for billy napier and company who have hit at just about every other position of need in, in this cycle so i think um the resources, the time, the effort will be much heavier with uh, with the big guys. Yeah, and just last thing about really offensive linemen in general, not necessarily just Caden Jones, but for an offensive lineman, how maybe beneficial is the word for you? If you're looking at this from a recruiting perspective, you're looking at Florida and you go, okay, for the past decade, 12 years, their offensive line has generally sucked this year it was significantly improved from it was even last year. It's one of the best offensive lines we've seen in Gainesville in the better course of a decade. And how much are you looking at that and going, okay, well, that was Rob Sale. That was Darnell Stapleton. That was Billy Napier. Like that was all these guys who are almost definitely still going to be here for the next year or two and kind of help me develop, especially as a developmental recruit. Yeah, it's a great point on both fronts, right? Obviously, Texas A&M has moved on from their offensive coordinator. It's scapegoat season just as much as it is silly season or portal season or flip season, any of that stuff. Scapegoat season. I just saw Northwestern can three assistants today. So 
it's also that time of year. So that's important to note as well. How does the the philosophical change to be anticipated in AM maybe slow down their offensive recruiting until that ship is steadied with, with a new offensive coordinator uh, and maybe future scapegoat under Jimbo Fisher, as opposed to Florida, which, which what you said is, is much more stable on the offensive line. And let's be honest, offensive linemen want to run the ball and Florida has been able to identify itself, even with the ups and downs of Anthony Richardson, the uh, injuries and unavailability at the receiver position, Florida has been able to identify itself as a running power. This is a, a, a program that will put his head down and, and, and come at you for four quarters. It, it kept Florida in games maybe they didn't deserve to be in, and it helped them hold off uh, late comebacks with other programs this year. So I do think that uh, perception, again, tied with the familiarity, will really help Caden as an offensive lineman to kind of give Florida that benefit of the doubt, even though it's it's profiling and optically just a first-year coaching staff trying to figure things out. A quick word from BetOnline, because today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline, and the Florida Gators were nine-and-a-half-point underdogs against Florida State this past Friday, which means they covered. In every single game this season that the Florida Gators were underdogs, they cover the spread. Make some money for yourself with BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, Tennis, soccer specifically, World Cup. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's been it's been beautiful. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. And looking at the defensive side of the ball now, two names to talk about. One of them is someone who Florida was in on. They were a hat on the table, and then he committed to UCF and John Walker, and he was like, you know, I. I silently committed like three months ago and then he's taken visits to Florida and, and now every Gators fan is like, Oh, we're going to flip him. Realistically, how should Florida feel about John Walker's flip potential? I think it's solid. Uh, it's not great. It's not a no brainer. It's certainly not a lock. I, I don't know if we're allowed to even use that word anymore in recruiting because of, uh, you know, NIL and just last minute changes, but look, there's clearly at the time he committed, I'm glad you brought that up. At the time John committed to Gus Malzahn, there was like Ohio State buzz. Like Florida was was up and down with him get, getting to that point. And then when he committed to UCF, it was like, okay, we'll see what happens during the season. But a lot of that thought process was centered around the Buckeyes. It has since faded completely to the point where now it appears as if if he moves on, from his hometown school, the UCF Knights, it will be Florida. I think that's the biggest difference. And I think Florida's consistency in recruiting him and prioritizing him after that UCF commitment is part of the reason why. Uh, obviously, his his buddy, Jakeem Jackson's a high school teammate of his on board with Florida since the same day. Uh, so that's certainly not hurting the Gators' chances. And look, we know Orlando, we've talked about it, has to be – a, a primary area uh, to pull from if you're the Florida Gators under Billy Napier. So I think all of those things factor in uh, to John Walker. As you mentioned, he's taken multiple visits since that UCF commitment. I think he's got an official coming up in December as well. No other trips planned as far as I can tell. So I, I think even the visits tell you if he moves on, it will be for the in-state Florida Gators. And look, the kid profiles as an SEC D lineman, no disrespect to, the AAC or, or future Big 12 program, uh, 
that's an SEC type defensive lineman, uh, sawed off, leverage monster, just a winner at the point of attack. Uh, so you can understand why Florida has stayed on on John Walker's trail here, uh, despite that UCF commitment. That was pretty surprising at the time, especially when when he doubled down and said, "Hey, I was silently committed." Uh, got a chuckle collectively from the industry. But look, Florida's been right there every single step of the way. They're, they're going to go see him on Friday night when they play Lakeland, um, you know, and, and Cormani McLean, if I'm allowed to bring his name up. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that game is my point. And Florida will have some assistant coaches out there as well. So clearly, uh, visually, optically, personally, communication-wise, very much still a full-court full press for John Walker. And it makes sense, right, because Florida has to hold off other schools from looking at their D-line commitments. And then they're still looking to grab a few more uh, in this this first year turnover. So while it's a loaded group that you feel good about right now, there's certainly still more names to keep an eye on. But it, it should start with John Walker. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you mentioned, like, you know, just looking at the recruits, they kind of tell the, or the visits, they kind of tell the story. And then you mentioned Lord Voldemort over there and Cormani McLean, <laughs> just like, yeah, this fans, you don't, you don't want to say his name. So I am now fully prepared to be hurt by this. Once again, I'm ready for it. But uh, there's one guy who's not committed on the defense side of the ball and Jordan Hall. There is a Jordan Hall that's committed to Michigan State, but that's not the Jordan Hall one. that we're talking about, which is just so fun. But how should Florida feel about this Jordan Hall as signing day nears? Look, Jacksonville kid, uh, I think you, you knew Florida was going to be in this race as long as it wanted to be in the race. And it's fluctuated a lot, I would say, from the summer months. I think at that point, uh, you know, it was like Florida, Florida State with a sprinkle of Georgia. Well, now it's like it's like Georgia and Florida primarily. And then FSU's trying to come back into that conversation. They hosted him for the FSU and Florida game uh, just last week. Obviously, intense atmosphere, rivalry, great game, all those things. Uh, so Florida State really helped its chances for Hall uh, because of that trip. And maybe an official will be that reciprocation from Jordan. But until that happens, I'm still looking at this as a Gators versus Georgia thing, which makes sense, right? For a Jacksonville kid, uh, the setting of, of the cocktail party would make sense uh, that he's down to these two schools. What's interesting and how I'm looking at it, though, from the Florida perspective is who else Georgia is in on? There's a couple of D linemen that they're working to flip on the interior if they're successful. And look, Georgia recruiting, defense, hello, they're going to be successful. How successful they are could potentially impact the status of Hall. You know, Georgia's commitment list is big, just like Florida's. So you don't know how many spots are available there. It's one of the, I guess, benefits of recruiting overlapping uh, kids with these great national powers and national title teams is that, Hey, even the guys they miss on are pretty darn good players. So that could be advantageous for Florida, depending on again, where hall sits specifically on that recruiting board, you know, Georgia trying to flip Josh Horton, the North Carolina commitment that there's a couple other recruits. They were in it for Davian Hobbs who just committed to Tennessee. I don't think they slow down in that recruitment. There's a couple interior guys that they still want in on, how does that impact Hall's status when when signing day rolls around? I think that could be big for Florida to kind of stay afloat because Georgia's done a really good job in that recruitment as well. Yeah, and I mean, just to wrap up today's episode, I mean, we've talked about at this point uncommitted offensive players, uncommitted defensive players, and a committed defensive lineman. Now it's like portal season's upon us. This is coming out 
December 1st. So Portal opens officially in just four days now, and I can't wait for it. Uh, but Florida's already got a lot of guys where we're all speculating, you know, oh, this guy's going to hit the portal. This guy might hit the portal. And they're doing that with every player across the country at this point. It's so far. I open Twitter and there's just like 45 <laughs> I'm hitting the portal uh, yeah. notes, screenshots there. But at this point in the cycle with the portal about to open, signing day is a couple of weeks away at this point. How does it work for schools just to work on roster composition where I feel like there's a little bit of a double-edged sword there where we'll use Florida, for example. Uh, They can go, oh, like we're not looking at portal corners because we've got 500,000 of them committed right now. So we don't need to look at the portal because you've got high school kids coming in. But also on the flip side, if an elite kid hits the portal, are you looking at this like, oh, oh, this guy just hit the portal. Oh, him. Forget the freshman. Let's go with a much more proven product where we've seen him play college football. We know he can translate. So how, how do you even begin to kind of work with that? Look, it's it just is what it is, man. This is a business. It's a billion-dollar business. And talent acquisition is the foundation of that business. It used to just be through recruiting and junior college and maybe a couple transfers here and there. Now the portal is going to be viewed by some programs as an equal parts feeder to the program as as recruiting. So, yeah, when there's a guy with experience who you know can play at a, at a hard position like that, you're going to take him over the 18-year-old, even if it's a Cormani McLean or a Jakeem Jackson. It just is what it is at this point because you have to remember these – these leashes and these contracts that these coaches are getting, it's more cutthroat than it's ever been. I mean, you're not even getting a full four years anymore to build your program. It's like by year two, year three, if things aren't humming along relative to expectation, you got to keep you know your head on a swivel. So I do think that's something that every coach has in the back of his mind. You have to bring in talent and win now. There's no more grace period for transition. So in Billy Napier's case, yeah, okay, you're going into year two. Oh, you, you might conventionally think you've got time to build this thing. That's not the case. I mean, look, look at how much perception changed with Dan Mullen from one year to the next, right? Uh, it, it really can can come at you fast, as, as those memes suggest. So because mm-hmm. of all that, it's always about the now. Uh, development is still important down the road for stable programs, of course. But for everyone else, and Florida right now is in that category – it's about right now, uh, and the portal offers you that without any hesitation. There's no more delays, sitting out a year, any of that stuff. You could even go to your rival and pluck a great player. I mean, every time I watched Ole Miss this year, I see Mississippi State transfer Malik Heath playing for them, and I'm like, I can't, I can't believe this. But that's going to become more of, of the norm in the sport. So, yeah, if there's a great player at any position, um, you know, no disrespect to Jaden Rashada, but at quarterback, that's something to be interesting. At, at receiver, I mean, every single position, it should be on the table because, like you said, there's a, there's almost 300 players in the FBS portal right now. And, again, it doesn't even officially open from a contact perspective until December 5th. So it's going to be in the thousands, and it's not just the guys that are looking to start over or you know, you know know that are pissed at their position coach because they didn't play them. It's good players. We've already seen good players announcing that they're going to hit the portal. Starting quarterbacks, all-conference wide receivers, just like last year. We're going to see great players move on, and programs like Florida and everyone else have to take advantage of that as a primary deal as opposed to a supplement 
to high school recruiting. It just is what it is at this point. And even if you weren't considering that prospect at one point, once they hit the portal, like you reacted to, hey, this guy makes it makes a difference. That's just a different game. You got to be willing to adjust to that port portion of of the process, or you'll be fizzled out, and you'll be the next coach on the hot seat, uh, and, and eventually gone. Yeah, I mean, last year you saw the freaking Boletnikov winner hit yeah. the portal in Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams followed Lincoln Riley. This year, I mean, before recording, I was telling you like Dominic Lovett is someone that I want to come to Gainesville, like so. It, it's fun. Portal is going to be insane. Um, you know me, rooting for chaos, T- team chaos on the back of your board there. So you know where we stand on it. I just cannot wait for December 5th, and I just want it to go nuts. I'm ready for December 5th to hit, and people go, oh, the portal's open, and a kid announces he's committing like immediately. And like 12.01 a.m., yeah. It's the yeah, NFL agency yeah. when, like, when it hits, and they're like, oh, you know, don't worry, in this minute, we agreed to a $200 million contract. Yes, in about? this minute. You could bring your air quotes back for that. Yeah, In, in yeah. this minute, we agreed. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, John. This is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting, Knockdowns Recruiting Insider, and you'll, you're going to be on tomorrow's show too. So people will see you tomorrow with me as well. So there's that. Sounds good, my friend.